Welcome to Catholic Stuff You Should Know, a J10 initiative. Hey, welcome back to the podcast. This is Father John, and it's my good friend Joe strumming away over there. That's 1987. I was four years old watching Muppet Babies, but my cousin Jeff said they sang that at prom. Dude, this is a great guitar. You like that one? I love it. This is uh, Father Peter's dad's dad's like forty-year-old guitar. Yeah, it's one of those old Martins that you just never have to tune. Oh, it's amazing. Yeah. I, this is the second time I've played it, and I'm loving it. So Joe's actually a great musician. You just learned some about him. There you go. And uh, this is the first time we've ever re-recorded an intro because the know. first one was horrific. <laughs> it was a disaster. So we just finished the podcast. Now mm-hmm. we're re-recording. This is going to be weird in your podcasting time. And the weirdest but, thing is that you'll never know when we switch to the actual podcast. <laughs> you'll never know. We seamless. actually said it'll be seamless. You'll never know. But but we will talk about more than words. So just a little, take a sip of that. Just coffee, hang on. <laughs> another sip of that big monster mug of coffee, and let's get started into the topic. You know what I'm amazed at though, honestly is that we had an inappropriate intro that Nathan Goble wasn't a part of. <laughs> Isn't that amazing? We, yeah, yeah. I just I just don't feel comfortable when you drop F-bombs. In the, no, I'm just joking. <laughs> that did not happen. It was, it was worse. No, I'm just kidding. It was not. But now they're curiosity. Oh, we need to do a podcast on that. Curiositas. The vice of curiosity. It's a vice. Yeah, we'll talk about it later, though. I'm interested. Let's take a sip of that huge coffee mug and tell us what we're talking about today. Today, as you would know because you clicked on it, this topic is about gestures. Gestures. Yeah, very similar to gestures. Have you ever played gestures? I have. Really? I haven't, but you know, I, I imagine it's very similar to the, what we're talking about today. Is it like charades? Um, in some ways, yes. And this is what uh, we're, we're actually talking about liturgical or even just non-liturgical prayer gestures. Uh. But it seems like a kind of a lame topic, um, but it's not, and I'm actually really excited about it because there's a lot of things to talk about that are awesome. Uh, liturgical gestures. Now, why would somebody think that's a lame topic, Joe? Well, no, okay. But so it's not a lame topic. Let's just get to it. Okay, so in prayer, in liturgy, we do a lot of things. As Catholics, um, we do a lot of things with our body. We're standing, right. we're sitting, we're kneeling. Priest folding his hands, priest, you know, I mean, it's in Mind written. In the, exactly. Your priest, your hands are out next to you sometimes, and sometimes you put them together. You know, some people hold hands during the Our Father. You know, you put your hands over the chalice when you're saying right. uh, the prayers. Lots we're, of gestures. We're doing lots of things. Um, and the main principle to think about when we're talking about gestures in general is this, is that is, it's about the incarnation. Right. It's, and we have this tendency uh, to separate our spirit from our body, right? This is a very, like, non-Catholic thing. But right. in culture, I mean, you see this with... You know, rationalism, you have this hyper-rationalism where it's all about the, the mind is all that matters. It doesn't matter what you do with your body or the body is all that matters and you just right. go crazy with your body and it doesn't affect your soul. And the, the Catholic viewpoint is very much that your body and your soul are intimately connected. And so when we pray with our souls, our body isn't just kind of checking out. We're actually praying with our body as well. And mm. this is, this is we don't just receive this in the Christian church, but we, we see this in the Jewish religion all throughout the Old Testament, the Psalms are all talking about, you know, I lift my hands up to you, you know, bless the Lord, O my soul, all my being, bless his holy name, you know, and, I, you know, the rivers clap their hands, you know, and all so these we, things. So we can't really pray without our bodies, that's what you're saying, because that's what of saying. our body-soul composite. Exactly. So when you think about gestures, and, and you see this in how we pray, you know, even, um, even when we, there aren't gestures to do uh, in the Mass, people want to do something, they want to use their hands, and they want to use their bodies to pray. Um, so we're just going to talk about a few gestures, 
and just kind of the history of them or why we do them, what, what they f- mean. The the gesture that I think about the most as a priest is communion. And, and uh, Father Peter and I have seen, in, in five months as a priest, I have seen everything already. But what I mean, mean, it's like the most fleshy incarnational experience ever. Because it's like all you get all kinds. You get some very prayerful people. Oh, you people get, receiving communion. Is it receiving communion? I do the same thing every time, body Christ, body Christ. But what I get in response is very fascinating. Some people like lick my finger. Some people <laughs> stick the tongue out before they say amen. And, then, and you're just like, this is awkward. But my favorite is this guy we call uh, Jaws. Because <laughs> cause the first I day I gave. This, I'm sorry. We got to digest here. That's or right. digress. Excuse me. Digest. I'm thinking about the body now. The uh, But Jaws, I started giving him communion. And uh, he's a really faithful guy, but literally, I thought he was going to take off my hand the first time. He just the body first, <laughs> and I was like, Ooh! so I said, Father Peter, what do I do? Um, how do I give him communion? I, I I like was having this like nervousness every time he, he'd come up, and he goes, let him come to it. <laughs> and so I wish I could show them right now, but we would just go, buddy Christ, and just barely kind of keep it down at the waist, and he would just and come right down and just. Right out of the hand. Do so, you ever, do you ever like kind of like like pull it away and he just keeps going after it? No, but um, that would be scary. So he uh, he's got sharp teeth and uh, a lot of saliva. But um, <laughs> I but, hope he doesn't listen to this. No, he definitely does not. And uh, he's a great guy. But I you say know his that, real name. Yeah, I know his real name, but you don't, and you never will. The uh, but the the reason I say this is because for the priest, it's it is not just this nice little. Um, precious thing that I do these little gestures. It's very fleshy. It's very human. It's very incarnational. It's very awkward at times, but that's the way Christ instituted it. So that's awesome. There you go. A little antidote. No, but. it's really true. That's great. No. So in the old mass, I didn't know this. Uh, Keith told me this, Keith Kenny, a friend of ours in the seminary, but he told me there was 52 signs of the crosses in the old mass before uh, Vatican or before they, the Novus order, what we do now, 52. And now, now there's only three, I think in the mass that you do, which would be you do the sign of the cross. That's the, if you do Eucharistic prayer one, I think, yeah. You but you do the to. sign of the cross in the beginning. You do the sign of the cross over the gifts. Mm-hmm. And you do the sign of the cross at the end with the blessing, right? So you used to have 52 signs of the crosses. Now you have three. There was, And they, they took away a lot of gestures that were in the, – these were in the rubrics. So the priest would have rubrics where he do. And there was actually things in the rubrics for the congregation to do, okay. which we still have. Like everybody kneels, everybody stands, you know. Um, but they took away a lot of the gestures – so that they wouldn't lose their meaning because it became so external that you weren't able to, it wasn't able to be a prayerful act all the time. Sometimes you're just flying through right. signs of the crosses right. or whatever. So they wanted to take away some gestures so that the ones that we had were more meaningful. Um, but in some ways they almost took away too many because what ends up happening when you take, when you take away all the gestures, people naturally just want to do stuff. So what you have now is that in the uh, congregation, when you go, you know, you have your hands together and then you say, the Lord be with you and you put your hands apart. Everybody else puts their hands apart as well. Right. And also with you. I mean, that's just natural. That's, it's that whole incarnational principle that we want right. to use our bodies when we right. pray we and when we communicate. Exactly. And it's the same thing with the Our Father. Everybody, and that's not in the rubrics to hold their hands, but a lot of churches do it. And I, I think it's a natural response to the human condition when we pray. We want to use our body. You know, so these are just little things to think about. I, I do think it's a natural response. I also think that there is um, a theology behind the mo- the changes of gestures that happened in the last 40 years since the Second Vatican Council. Example, you know, uh, at my parish here, everybody kneels, but originally the church was built with movable um, uh, pews and um, with no kneelers. And they it, the whole thing was, we don't kneel here because we're a resurrection people, mm. right? Yeah. Why, why is kneeling an appropriate gesture when Christ is risen? Hmm. 
That's the that's a misunderstanding of what kneeling is. Exactly. But uh, there's a whole theology behind that um, that gets played out. And I think it's the same with the holding of the hands, which is actually an interesting thing is it's 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 become a liturgical custom. I mean, for 40 years now of it happening mm-hmm. across the board. But um, so not only do gestures um, form us, but but if we want to reform things, ecclesiology, our view of the church, if we want to reform our relationship to Jesus, then we reform the gestures. Hmm. And that's what's happened in the last 40 years, in my opinion. Interesting. No, that makes a lot of sense. So. And so that's why it's good to know the gestures that we've received from the tradition of the church and understand why we're doing them, because that, that teaches us the theology behind it. And it also, the theology can teach us why we do the gestures. So it kind of goes both ways. So just some of the things we do, you know, we... We, you know, what's the deal with kneeling or genuflecting? We walk into a church. If you walk into a church in Europe, a lot of times they walk in and they genuflect right away. Right. In America, we happen to just genuflect when we get to our pew. Right. But the whole point of it is that it's just a recognition, and it comes from uh, royalty. This is something you would do in the presence of a king. You would genuflect to a king. And the whole point is that the one who is in the highest authority would be the highest off the ground. And so right. everybody else would kind of get lower right. in order to kind of be – it's an act of submission – uh, and kind of acknowledgement of you're in a, a lower place than this authority, and you put yourself under the authority of mm-hmm. the one you're kneeling to. Mm-hmm. And so, in in the, you know, and it brings it comes into the liturgy. And so, when we walk into a church, it's kind of a, the first thing. It's a beautiful custom, you know. Right away, before you're talking to somebody else or whatever, you just acknowledge. I mean, we're in the presence of of a, a great being of great love who is much greater than us, and so we acknowledge that. Um, and it's the same during the mass when we kneel. There, it's also a sign of reverence. Right. Of uh, and I, I just in my own experience, it helps us to pray. I mean, when I I've realized when even when I'm doing a holy hour by myself or with other people, it always helps me. Um, sometimes when I begin prayer, if I'm just sitting, it's all it's a little harder to pray. It's funny how like your body sometimes can lead your spirit. Like I don't always feel reverent, but if I put my body in a reverent position, right. my it becomes easier to pray. So if I'm sitting, sometimes it's not as easy to pray. But if I just get on my knees and and start praying with my body and make you know um, doing obeisance in some ways with my body, my spirit kind of follows that. Nice, nice word there, obeisance. Yeah. The uh, um, so let me ask you this question, Joe. Do you remember Justin Hall? Yeah, Justin Hall and Sam. Yeah, yeah, the guys in some of this back in the day. He loved praying in bed, <laughs> just <laughs> really? doing his holy hour. In bed in the mornings. What would your thoughts be on that? That'd be his preference every morning. Just laying down? Just like Hey, man, if, if it's your personal prayer, you do with what works for you, you know? So, yeah, but you use that principle and then anything goes. So at a certain point, we have to say well, gesture. In, in the public prayer of the church, right. not that's everything in, goes. That's, that's an important distinction. That's an important distinction. Between gesturing in devotional life gesturing in lit- liturgical prayer. Mm-hmm. I mean, because liturgical I, prayer is not something that's ours. It's it's the church's, and we're a part of the church, and we right. do this together in unity. Here's another question. Is sitting a liturgical gesture? Yeah. Because it wasn't for 1,500 years. Really? They never sat. They never, because oh, right. they they'd never had be Because they never had kneelers. They never had just, pews. When you go to, like, St. Peter's Basilica, there's no pews. Um, kneeling is something that came in, or uh, sitting is something that came in with Protestant Reformation, mm-hmm. and we kind of picked up. So I'm just curious. No, it's interesting. Now in the in the church, it's a it's a way of of just listening, right? Um, but we stand at the gospel because the gospel has a preeminence, and so right. it's almost like you stand when, you know, uh, you know, in, in in our culture, in the you know, fifty years ago in America, you'd stand when a woman walks into the room, or you stand when right. somebody of importance walks into the room. In the gospel, we stand for the gospel because right. it's an attentive position, and it's also 
there's a reverence there. Standing is definitely a liturgical gesture. I mean, yeah. that is the standing mm-hmm. at attention. But it's a. I mean, we sit though for other parts for the readings, you know. Yeah. So you'd think that it's a way of listening. But it's funny, and I mean, for the gospel, and for the homily. I mean, yeah, the church is ancient, and so even as human, this is another whole kind of complicated question. But as human gesturing changes culturally. How does that play out? It's true. Jesus never would have sat like we sit in pews. They kind of like lounged, like kind of laid on their side, you know, and uh, reclined. That, they, that was the kind of Mediterranean thing. Um, and that would be really bizarre if I went to mass tonight uh, and everyone was just kind of reclining. All mm. the room, uh, all the all the benches were out of the uh, church, and everyone was just kind of laying Everybody's around just pillows. Chillaxing. You ever see that Seinfeld episode where Kramer moves his whole room into levels? Yeah. Seinfeld's becoming ancient, but that kind of thing. I mean. So that would be insanely bizarre for us. While we live in a Protestant culture, so there's kind of an embrace of a Protestant gesture in sitting and in pews and kind of a formal yeah, I've never sitting. thought about that. I don't I'm just But gonna... it's true. I mean, the culture, <clears throat> I'm sorry, in the East really formed how they do liturgy because in the Eastern church, they never kneel or genuflect. Mm. Their great sign of reverence is bowing. They have this profound bow. It's called from the waist down. So anytime, you know, in front of the Eucharist, when they walk into the church, they don't genuflect, they bow. And that was a part of their culture. A funny cultural thing, too. You might have heard this because um, I think we heard it at the same place. But um, in the new translation of the Missal, uh, during the penitential rite, you know, when we say, I confess to Almighty God, you, my brothers and sisters, um, and we say that line through my, uh, what do I say now? I can't remember. Well, it's going to change It's going to change. Yeah, it's going to change. I confess to my fault, my fault, my most, most grievous fault. fault. That's what it's going to be. Culpa. I was thinking in Spanish. So now we say uh, to you, my brothers and sisters, that I have sinned through my own fault in my thoughts and my words, whereas the new translation will say through my fault, through my fault, through my most grievous fault. But during the gesture uh, in the old rite that was part of the, was that you kind of tap your heart. Uh-huh. And it's not like a pounding. Like sometimes you'll see these little tradies <laughs> pounding the chest. You'll hear the smack. But it's really just you. Tradie is slang for traditionalist. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> exactly. Cool. You hear these like, um, but it's funny because in Africa, there is, and they're changing their translation as well. Um, this gesture of of touching the chest or pounding the chest is actually like culturally totally opposite. This isn't a like for us and in the Western Latin tradition, right. touching the chest or touching the heart would be a gesture of repentance and penitence. You know, you touch your heart. You know, I'm sorry. You touch your heart. But in this African culture, this is what king when of the you, jungle. Yeah, when you, it's king of the jungle. When you walk into a bar and you're the you're the man, you're pounding your chest. You know, so right. when you say Al- through my fault and you're pounding your male. chest, that's right. Exactly. So that's the way that the the physical external action doesn't reflect the interior disposition in this culture, and so they actually have a special exemption. Instead of touching their heart or pounding their chest, they just do a really big bow, and they threw my, threw my fault, one bow, threw my fault, ah. two bows. Isn't that interesting? Yeah, so how cool. you, the cultures do influence? I mean, this is this is how the mass is, and this is how our church is. It's so incarnational. We have what we've been received through the tradition of the church, but it also doesn't totally. Uh, wipe out the cultures and right. the traditions that they become a part of. In fact, they inform how we express uh, it, how we express our prayers. Right, in the and mass. the uh, um, I think the main thing is the church is our mother, and so she teaches us through signs, the sacramental signs. But gestures are are sacramental in the sense that they're visible expressions of invisible realities, yep. invisible thing. Like when we kneel, we're expressing something with our bodies, and and it's like we just have to look to the mother. And if she dispenses little Jimmy. You know, or whatever for doing this because of whatever. It's 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 not arbitrary, mm-hmm. but it's a maternal act. I think we got to recover that because yeah. we think the church is just a bureaucracy. That was a doorbell. <laughs> I, I, I wonder if that got picked up. Um, that would be 
probably Stacy Dar dropping off a package, but we're going to let uh, Ty take care pretend of that. like that doesn't exist. <laughs> All right, great. The problem with not doing it in the treehouse, the old place was like indestructible. That's true. We're the you only know, ones up there. We could uh, uh, we could do anything, and it's. Um, but here it's kind of like we're in the middle of mayhem. It's true. Boulder's a crazy place. Mm-hmm. But uh, okay, so a few last things. This is kind of cool. These are something that I just learned recently that I'm like, this is so cool. So Father Selen, did I have you told you this before? Father Selen, what do you told me? I don't think so. No. Okay, so he's a priest at the seminary, and recently I was at mass. Well, actually, I was looking for a mass uh, to go to on a Sunday. I asked him if he knew of one that was going on in the area, and he says, "Hey, I'm about to say mass right now." So you can join me. So I had private mass. He said mass, and I joined him. And all the choirs of heaven were there as well, but we were the only two uh, on this side of eternity there. And he started talking about gestures for some reason. And he was talking about, uh, at the seminary, we have a tower where there's four angels on each corner, one right. angel on each corner. And all the angels are, have their hands crossed over their chest. And he asked me if I knew what that meant. And I was like, no, not really. And he said, this, having your hands crossed over your chest is actually, uh, it's always been a gesture of love. Hmm. And there's three gestures that kind of reflect the three theological virtues of faith, hope, and love, which I never knew this. So faith is always represented by your hands folded together, you know, fingers straight. Okay. This is faith. Hope would be your hands kind of like interdigitating with yourself here with your hands folded like this. This is hope. And love would be your hands across the chest. And he was saying how these angels on the tower who all have their hands across their chest must be seraphim since seraphim are the angels who love the most, they're on fire with love. Huh. And he was convinced that there were four seraphim around the seminary protecting the seminary. It's a beautiful little image, yeah, and then he nice. talks about that. Uh, and then he talks about how in so many images of Our Lady at the Annunciation, where the angel appears to Mary and Mary's there, um, during a certain period there are a lot of images where the angel's bowing to Mary and, she's and crossing her chest, and Mary's bowing to the angel and crossing her chest. Very cool. Um, and it's a beautiful gesture of love. So even just when you look at liturgical art, you can kind of see... A lot of times, artists know these things, and they're they're depicting through the gestures of people uh, what their disposition is. And I just think these things are great to know, too, because I just love the idea of um, being able to say, you know, make an act of faith just without even saying any words, right. but just, or to make an act of love to the Lord and just tell him how much I love him without saying any words, but just by making a gesture with my body. Right. Uh, it's just a beautiful thing. So I just want to encourage listeners out there, when you pray, to, to allow these things to fuel your prayer and to kind of let your body lead your spirit. In these ways, um, because so many times when we pray, especially when we're young in our faith um, and less mature, and I know for myself this was the case, uh, you kind of start with your emotions uh, when you're young in your faith and like what you're feeling and Lord, where you at? And sometimes if you feel really reverent, you feel like you just want to praise or you just are feeling really guilty or whatever, you just kind of stay, stay there. But a lot of times we need to move ourselves, lead our spirit to the Lord. Um, and, you know, maybe we're not feeling terribly reverent. We don't feel like we want to pray. But this is a great way to say, regardless of where I'm at, you are God, you know, and it is right to give you thanks and praise right now. And so that's that's what I want to bring myself to do. So you put your body in a position, you kneel, you lay prostrate. That's that's one of my favorite gestures to pray in, laying prostrate when you're just flat on the ground. Right. And you see this in the liturgy at the ordination of priests. When you right. became a priest, you laid prostrate. It's a symbol of total surrender, right. total abandonment, um, and just laying your whole body, your whole life down. And I think... Uh, um well, first off, I have the 80s song, More Than Words, stuck in my head right now. Just, <laughs> you should grab that guitar, and we'll just kind of close out with a little, you know, soprano solo. The, uh, But it is true. There's a certain point in the spiritual life where words just cannot express. Uh, they just falter. And um, and sometimes all we can rely on is gestures. In times when, when things are spiritually dark, uh, life is confusing, things don't make sense, it's meaningless. Um, sometimes just laying prostrate, 
is the is the most soothing thing for the soul than trying to find words to articulate the grief or the anxiety or whatever it is that we're dealing with. Um, just kneeling in a dark church with candles lit. Uh, sometimes that just feeds the soul. Um, and, and that's all we have is gestures. And that's okay. And I think God, God desires it that way. Hmm. But it's a beautiful thing. Um, but if we reject those gestures, then we always have to express it with words. Um, and we're limiting ourselves. We're, we're defying what it means to be a human being, so to speak. That's true. And it's important. I mean, expressing ourselves in prayer isn't the fullness of prayer. I mean, the fullness of prayer is really just being in the presence of God. Right. But it's an important part of it. And and gestures, because we're body, it's the whole incarnational thing again. You know, we are a body and a spirit. That's what we are. We're not some spirit sitting in a body or something like that. We're right. really, you know, made up of body and soul. Uh, and so we pray with our whole being. Right. So I feel like every podcast comes back to hylomorphism, which is the unity of body and soul. Which is a huge thing. It's a huge thing. It's a big breakdown. In, it is. It's, I a big, mean, it's a big part of Catholic stuff. It's it's a big Catholic stuff. Anyway, I think that's it. Was I supposed to find an email? Yeah, I, I thought that's what you were doing over there. I did with the whole Facebook thing. Oh. Um, well, we can do emails next time. Oh, uh, I think that's about... John's the one with the iPhone now, so he's the one who gets oh, the email, geez. and he's dropping the ball. Um... Yeah, this is just not going to happen in the time. I totally. <laughs> well, maybe we this should just cut very, it off. Well, this is just a very interesting topic. So you had me, you had me very curious. You know. There you go. So, yeah, I think that's about it, Joey. Don't patronize me. I'm serious. It was a good, uh, enjoyable podcast. Kind of a shocking and disturbing intro, but that's all right. <laughs> we kind of do what we need to do, right? We do. Well, if you do want to email us, not that we'll ever read it on the podcast, but we will read them and respond to you. Uh, you can email us at catholicstuffpodcast at gmail.com and on Facebook, Catholic Stuff Podcast on Facebook, I think. So I think that's it, Johnny. Do you have Thanks. any parting words? Thanks for listening. We'll talk to you next week.